The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We do start with a couple of important headlines. Remember, we've been talking a lot about uh, the spending package that's going into this August recess. There's, there was a hope to get something done before lawmakers left town. And the headlines are not making it feel like there's a lot of progress happening here, knowing that we are headed to a possible government shutdown in the fall. House bills hit snags on floor and in committee. I read from Jack Fitzpatrick at Bloomberg Government, remembering the House Freedom Caucus members yesterday who were saying that, you know, they might need to force a shutdown to get what they want. Another headline now, the White House threatens to veto the USDA-FDA funding bill. It's a pretty big deal here. Suggesting that House Republicans are wasting time with partisan bills. And indeed, if the president were presented, it says in a White House statement with H.R. 4368, he would veto it. Just one reason why we wanted to talk to Congressman John Rose. The Republican from Tennessee is on the House Agriculture Committee, along with Financial Services, which is very busy this week with the crypto regs that we were talking about uh, earlier in the week on Bloomberg. So let's bring him in. Congressman Rose, we thank you for joining us today on Bloomberg Radio. Do you think the House will pass an agriculture bill this week? I think we will. And Joe, thank you for having me on on, on, on sound uh, today. I appreciate the opportunity. Indeed. But I do think we will. Now then, it goes through some potential uh, problems here, either to die in the Senate or vetoed by the president. Is this an exercise in vain based on what you're hearing from the other chamber and the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue? I don't think so. You know, the the Senate's going to have to learn to walk again. They haven't uh, they haven't heard uh, appropriations bills in regular order in a long time. So uh, that's that probably is a bit of a learning process for them. <laughs> uh, but I think that, uh, you know, we're progressing well. And I think we'll get two of these bills through the House before we go uh, home for August. And uh, and then I think we'll come back in September and the others are queued up, ready for us to tackle then. Well, see, so you're pretty optimistic, it, it sounds like, while the Senate's learning to walk in your words. Uh, the House is actually going to get some things done, despite the noise in the air this week. I think we will. I think uh, the Republicans uh, understand how important this is. I think we want to advance the the uh, commitment to America that we made as and the Americans uh, used to put us in, back in the majority last year. And so I think we will I think we'll get the job done. Right around this time yesterday, a little bit earlier, I suppose, uh, Congressman uh, Bob Good had this to say at a Freedom Caucus briefing with reporters. We should not fear a government shutdown. Most of what we do up here is bad anyway. Most of what we do up here hurts the American people. (laughs) Do you believe that, Congressman, number one, that we shouldn't fear a shutdown? A lot of folks think it's inevitable and, and that you're somehow up to something bad here in Washington. You know, I don't uh, particularly fear a shutdown. I don't think that's necessarily the best thing. But my grandfather taught me years ago that if you want to get the best deal, you've got to be willing to push away from the table at times in negotiations. And so that's part of the process, the give and take that happens here 
in Washington, and, and we need to be willing to stand our ground and fight for the issues that are important to us. But in the end, I think we've proven previously this year that the Republican uh, majority in the House is able to get business done, and I think we'll mm-hmm. get business done this time as well. Well, I can't imagine, Congressman, what your grandfather would say about regulating crypto, because even the kids don't quite know uh, what to do with this. And it's something that the uh, the Financial Services Committee uh, is undertaking right now. And there are some important hearings this week to that end when it comes to regulating stablecoin and then kind of a broader market structure, a separate piece of legislation on the cryptoverse. Uh, we spoke uh, with uh, a member of Congress just yesterday. Congressman uh, Wiley Nickel uh, spoke about his optimism in getting something done. Here's what he said. The place that we, we start is we want to prevent another FTX. And mm-hmm. I think that, that the bill does that. And, and it puts the, the guardrails in place that, that matter. Um, my staff just told me, too, that one of, one of our concerns was that the CFTC, which would be a, an increasingly more important player, um, is going to have the funding as part of this effort you know that was one of my concerns that the cftc wouldn't be funded mm-hmm. to, to administer you know the the rules that we're setting and put in place that, that part is getting worked out so I, i'm i'm very optimistic that you know this could be one of the bigger bipartisan accomplishments of this congress one of the bigger bipartisan accomplishments of this congress congressman rose do you share his optimism I do. Uh, and we've been working hard on this. Obviously, this work began on a bipartisan basis last Congress when the Democrats were in the majority. Uh, it has continued apace into this Congress. And I think we have a good uh, bill text. We're doing the markup on this, the, the debate on this and listening to uh, amendments this afternoon. But I think we'll get a market bill out of the House on a bipartisan basis, certainly out of committee. Uh, this week, but I think uh, the stage is set for the House to get its part done. We do have some work to do over again on the Senate side and uh, making sure they understand how important it is to, number one, protect American consumers uh, and those who might be involved in the digital assets place and who want to own crypto or use that, Uh, but also making sure that innovation can happen and that it happens here in the United States. And so Mm -hmm. this is very important to get done. We build on the existing regulatory framework that's existed in this country since uh, 1933 and beyond. And, and so I think it will be in line with what uh, Americans have come to expect in terms of the protections and guardrails that regula- regulators have provided mm-hmm. in other places like the securities markets. Well, I have to admit, that'll be music to a lot of our listeners' ears. I know not everyone agrees on this, but... The idea of a bipartisan solution is is kind of surprising because it seemed to me, Congressman, that this was starting to fall along party lines, uh, that the, the Democrats wanted to go after crypto and Republicans were trying to protect the industry. How, how would you describe it? Well, I, I understand that that's kind of become the narrative, but I think the reality is, is that, again, the two priorities that I announced, which are, uh, I think, and, and I think both parties agree on, we want to Uh, protect the American consumers. We all saw what happened with FTX last year, and we don't want our consumers and and market participants to be at risk of of not having the protective uh, regulatory guardrails that they're used to having and that they they expect and that they should expect. And then secondly, this is the next generation of finance in the world, and we want it to happen We want that innovation to happen here. It is happening here, but we don't want the lack of a regulatory structure, a a coherent regulatory structure to dissuade innovators from doing that here in the United States. 
Getting back to the work at hand in terms of funding the government, you've got this week, you go on August recess, then it's going to be uh, a, a truly uh, historic, I'm guessing, appropriations process that comes into play following the debt ceiling deal. It's been suggested, Congressman, that that somehow that deal that Speaker McCarthy made with President Biden is being relitigated now. Do you feel that way? Well, I understand why some would would represent it that way. And certainly, uh, you know, the appropriations process is the place where we tackle these issues. Uh, The Fiscal Responsibility Act that passed back in late May um, that dealt with the debt ceiling, it does put in place some backstops, uh, importantly, that create incentives for us to get our work done on time. We don't need to continue what has happened in recent years in Washington, where we package all of this up in a giant omnibus bill at the end of the year. That's not good for the taxpayers. It's not good for our national defense. And so we have some incentives built in because of the Fiscal Responsibility Act that will, I think, uh, serve to keep us on track. Interesting. Uh, You know, there's a bit of a distraction here as you try to get the work done that you're describing, and that is a new conversation uh, about an impeachment inquiry. Even the speaker said that, you know, we we might be on track. Daryl Issa said that might happen even in early September. That's pretty soon. Congressman, should that be the business of the House Republican caucus right now to begin investi- investigating the president with impeachment in mind? Well, you know, it was part of our commitment to America to make sure that we have a government that's responsible uh, to the people. And so, we, you know, we've seen a lot of evidence that's already been brought forward that shows that the Biden family, principally Hunter and the president's brother, were receiving and, and other family members uh, millions upon millions of dollars. They haven't offered explanations for how uh, what they did to deserve those payments. Uh, increasingly, it's becoming evident that the president was aware, uh, may have even been in the room when some of these transactions were being negotiated or being consummated. And so uh, it raises serious questions about the president. And obviously, uh, alongside that, we've seen serious questions uh, raised about the uh, justice system in this country, the Justice Department, the FBI, the IRS, with respect to how the investigations into uh, the president and his family have been conducted that raise uh, concerns that I think rise to this level. And so Mm -hmm. we still have work to do, evidence to gather, uh, witnesses to the subpoena, that sort of thing. But eventually, you know, would that be the oversight committee? When, when are we going to see that evidence? Well, so the oversight committee has already brought forward, you know, we, we have we have produced the evidence or the committee has produced the evidence and brought forward the evidence of the payments that went to uh, a large number, 10 to 15 Biden family members. And they have not the Bidens have not offered credible explanations for what they did to merit receiving those payments. And ultimately, uh, you know, it becomes incumbent upon the president and his family to explain why did you receive millions of dollars from foreign nationals? Yeah, it's just an interesting conversation here because I keep hearing about a double standard uh, when it comes to justice. Uh, But Republicans in the House never wanted to investigate claims that Donald Trump was enriching his family when he was in office. How, How come? Well, no, I think there were significant investigations, obviously, but there was never a showing that uh, payments were being made that could not be explained. In other words, the Trump family business was very, uh, you know, evident and and out in the public, and and it was obvious what payments were being made to them to provide services. In the case of the Bidens, they're not in any businesses that we know of other than government and selling influence. 
And so, uh, you know, that, and they have yet to offer credible explanations for what they did of value to deserve those payments. And so it's, it's really a apple and orange comparison between the Biden family and the Trump family. And of course, the president was investigated. And just uh, in recent weeks, we've had the Durham report come forward that, uh, you know, pretty completely vindicates the president in terms of the so-called Russia collusion, which it turns out was a hoax paid for by the Democrat National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign. Well, you've obviously got uh, certain ideas about this. I just uh, you can understand why people on both sides think there's a double standard uh, because Donald Trump wasn't investigated for that stuff. I know there were investigations, but it was about other matters. You've got candidates like Chris Christie out there talking about Jared Kushner and and the Trumps fleecing other countries while in office. And at some point on the campaign trail, I hope we'll get a chance to shake all of this out, Congressman. Well, I think I think we will. And and again, the president, uh, the 45th president, of course, the most investigated president in the history of the republic. Uh, So I I think it's unfair to characterize that that was never investigated. Uh, Probably more money spent by the federal taxpayers to pursue a president and investigate his family than any other individual in the history of the country. Yeah, I just mean that the $2 billion that was invested in Jared Kushner's private equity firm shortly after he left his White House position, that's just the type of stuff that people think about as being kind of swampy. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing that you would be involved in, Congressman, but this is this is what we're all reading about. Uh, we thank you for coming by, by the way, and when you have a chance to talk to us about this spending plan, this agriculture bill getting done, we'd love to do it. Republican Congressman from Tennessee, John Rose, with us on Bloomberg Sound On. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.